Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm delighted to host another session of MedEvidence. And we have a very special guest today, Dr. Al Lopez. Al is a colleague of mine, a fabulous internist, and a real expert in lipids. And he's going to talk to us today about advanced lipid profile. Hey, Al. How you doing? Good. How are you today? Good. So how'd you get interested in lipid profiles? So about 20 years ago, um, I tried to hit all the data sets to keep people from having heart disease or vascular disease. And no matter how much I got them to go, there were still a large percentage of patients that seemed to still have an event. Another stent, another peripheral vascular uh, intervention done, and that really frustrated me. So I kept on thinking there's got to be more than just lowering blood pressure, checking sugars and making sure those are at goal, or getting them on a statin or getting their you know, lipids to a certain goal. At that time, it's quite different than today's. Um, so I started um, reading more on advanced lipids and inflammatory markers. That's kind of how I got here. Interesting. So Al and I have known each other for a while, and we work together on clinical trials, and he's a delight to work with. And I happen to know that he loves Jerry Garcia ties. So I actually went to my closet, and I, there was some dust there, I have to admit, but I pulled out an old Jerry Garcia tie. And Al, why don't you show yours? And, and, and I think this is actually apropos. And the reason I say that is because Jerry Garcia may have some relationship to advanced lipid profiles. Let's, let's face it, the guy died at age 53. So when somebody dies of age 53 of a heart attack, you got to wonder what's going on. So what, what are your thoughts about that, Al? You know, I think a lot of people put a finger on his history of drug use, but at that time he was in rehab. And over the last seceding or the prior five or 10 years, he gained a lot of weight. Yeah, his um, risk factors were probably not under any horrible. type of control. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you could point at the drugs, but I don't really think so. I think there's something else, you know, cooking in there. We know other um, high-profile people that have had the same issue. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the questions I have is why does Jerry Garcia die at age 53 and another rock star with a similar history of debauchery like Keith Richards lives to his 80s? So there's got to be something genetic about that. Wouldn't you agree? I think there's hidden risks that we're not really looked at in a number of people, and I think we're they're starting to come more to the surface and being looked at more aggressively. Yeah, and it's interesting, um, you know, particularly in the music scene in the '60s and '70s, where a lot of people died way too early. There's some very interesting stories. One of my favorites is actually a guy named Tom Wilson, who was a record producer for Simon and Garfunkel and Bob Dylan and others. He was actually the guy responsible for making the song "Sounds of Silence" a big hit. Just a quick historical note is that Sounds of Silence was originally released in 64, and it was a bit of a flop. And then this guy, Tom Wilson, who was an African-American guy that graduated Harvard, got into the record business, and he became the producer for Simon Garfunkel. And when Simon Garfunkel were actually broken up and had given up on music, he changed the whole arrangement of the song, electrified it, and became a huge hit. And unfortunately, this, this guy, Tom Wilson, died at age 47 of unknown reasons, of a heart attack, probably because of some sort of genetic dyslipidemia. Yeah. I think we can talk about other things. You know, we think of athletes always being, you know, the superheroes and never becoming ill and not dying early either. And we have 
several of those as well. Is that not true, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Some of them are probably arrhythmic deaths, but some of these others that kind of out of the blue die at a young age often have dyslipidemia or some sort of cholesterol or lipid issue. So we're going to jump into that a little bit. So, so Al, just start us off by telling us what is an advanced lipid profile. The advanced lipid profile is a blood test that gives us a lot more information than a standard lipid profile. Um, it'll include things like LP little a, um, LDL particle numbers, um, ILDL, VLDL, size of LDL, small dense LDL, and there's other markers in there. And so there's better markers to look at. APOB is one, and APOB is kind of a, is it? Tail of ApoB on a yeah, explain of ApoB to the audience in terms of the difference between a lipoprotein and the, the proteinaceous port, part of it. So ApoB is a protein that's attached to many of the atherogenic particles, including LDL, opioid little a, VLDL, ILDL, and LDL particles. And so when you look at LDL, it looks like a raspberry or a blackberry. And in total, piece of the raspberry is called an LDL. But the bumps on it are just as atherogenic. So the more bumps you have, the more atherogenic you are. Even if Mrs. Jones has the same LDL as Mrs. Smith, if Mrs. Jones has a lot of particles, thousands of particles, she's more prone to have um, cardiovascular issues than Mrs. You know, the other person that has less so. And some people are probably more genetically predisposed to have higher levels of apolipoprotein B. This is true. I think it's it's also we're seeing that's mediated by uh, endothelial dysfunction or metabolic syndrome. So people that are overweight or obese, people that are diabetic, uh, insulin resistant patients also have hidden dyslipidemia. So ApoB is a particle that runs with a bad crowd. In fact, it may define a bad crowd. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's called B. <laughs> And, and this is one of the things you look at in advanced lipid profile. So getting back to a, a further definition of that. So just tell the audience a little bit more about what, what to expect from an advanced lipid profile and while that differs from what your physician usually orders when you get standard labs. So I will look for risk on patients when I'm ordering an advanced lipid. And so initially I may just do a standard lipid profile. But people with strong family history, people that have early vascular disease or um, whether it's arterial or, car or carotid, or cardiac or peripheral vascular disease, I will order an advanced lipid profile on those. Diabetics, typically, and if you look at the standard uh, lipid profile on diabetic, LDL is usually not elevated. It's usually triglycerides and then these subparticles as well. So just to break it down for our, our audience, not of all of whom are, are versed in this kind of thing. So do you get a total cholesterol as part of a standard package or only in an advanced lipid profile? Total cholesterol, LDL, triglycerides, and HDL, the standard package. Gotcha. Guess the best of maybe 1970 lipid profiles. And there's not much we do in current medicine that's from 1970 except the stethoscope. <laughs> well, that goes way before the 1970s. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, so, so you mentioned the things that are part of the standard lipid profile. So now give us examples of an apolipoprotein B that you look for in this advanced lipid profile. And you may get into the different types of LDL um, when you have that discussion. Right. So I'll look at LDL particle number to see um, what that is. If it's elevated, we're looking at mitigating that risk. We're looking at VLD, ILDL. Um, we're also looking at um, HDL size, LDL size. So we know that small, dense LDL is much more atherogenic than 
standard LDL in of itself and the larger LDL. And then when we're looking at inflammatory markers, that's a whole other story, but we're looking at, I'm looking at several inflammatory markers. Yeah, and we'll, we'll hold that for a second because I don't want to bring too many things on board at once. So what about lipoprotein little a? Where does that fit in? Is that part of a standard profile, advanced profile? For a long time, we've, you know, we've clumped in LP little a with LDL in, in the standard lipid profile, and they're starting to take that out now. And so we've known that this has been a bad actor for over 20-something years, but there's not much we could do with it. You know, a lot of people using vitamin C, which had single digit changes. Yeah. Really? Okay. High dose vitamin C. They were trying niacin. We've kind of vilified niacin and it only dropped at maybe 12 to 18%. It works. I, yeah, yeah. I used to use niacin quite a bit. Yeah, but, um, I did too for yeah. a while, unless they were redheaded and green eyed and then they hated you <laughs> Yeah, because um, they and, flushed. And, or developed atrial fibrillation. But yeah. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but for the most part, you know, there was nothing there for LP little a patients. Mm-hmm. So it kind of was put in the back of the bookshelf and nobody would look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's been an interest of mine for a long time because it, I've noted in a number of cases of patients and then hoping to change dietary lifestyle, exercise, et cetera, which we know doesn't really affect it very much, mm-hmm. but is the best we had. And that story is changing. Yeah. And we'll get into LPA in a little bit more detail later on, later on in, the, in the broadcast. But anyhow, just to get to the other things that are just in the advanced lipid profile, how about remnant cholesterol? Do you, do you look at that? There's a couple interesting articles by uh, Peter Libby and, and Dan Rader talking about uh, remnant LDL. And you know those are another way to look at can misnomer as ApoB or some of these other particles. But remnant lipid profiles are the ones we classically don't look at. And, but they're and just they're after, that, that, they're for the audience, that's kind of what's left over when you take all the other categories out, right? And so they tend to be really plaque-producing um, bad particles, so they're bad actors as well. And so mm. these remnant particles are really important in certain subclass of patients. Now we also talk about oxidized LDL. Is that part of a of a standard lipid profile? Is that part of an advanced lipid that profile? That is not. How do you it, learn about that? Uh, oxidized LDL is fascinating. So you know. When I was in med school 100 years ago, you know, we talked about foam cells and so how LDL- You look good for your stated age. (laughs) (laughs) Hyperbaric chamber works well. Um, Me and Michael Jackson. It's very interesting because we talked about foam cells and and almost the reaction of like Coca-Cola and Mentos, where you get this foam reaction or inflammatory reaction when LDL enters the, the, the vascular bed or the vascular wall, the arterial wall- in certain cases, it will oxidize. And if it's oxidizing, you're making plaque. You're making, but you can't measure that easily with the, the tools that we have as clinicians. It can be done in an advanced lipid profile. You can measure oxidized phospholipids, oxidized LDL, and I've been using that for about 15, 20 years. And if I know oxidized LDL is up, then I'm starting to look for where it's, where it's embedding itself. Interesting. Is it in the legs, in the carotids, in the heart? So now I'm really doing it like this major search. Interesting. Well, Al, we've covered a lot of ground. So we're going to take a pause and we're going to jump back in by talking specifically about lipoprotein little a. Thanks for joining the MedEvidence podcast. To learn more, head over to medevidence.com or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform.